Hello and welcome to Capture Caledonia, the tracks that take us back, the podcast with me, Ewan Petrie. Each week, I'm joined by a guest who tells me all about the places in Scotland that mean the most to them and the memories and stories associated with these particular places. Then we listen to the songs that have become the soundtrack to these wonderful memories. I can't play all the songs in full due to copyright, but I hope that you enjoy the podcast nonetheless. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure you subscribe to it and leave us a rating and a review. You can also find us on social media. For Facebook and Instagram, just search Capture Caledonia. And for Twitter, search Capture Cali. Please like and share the pages with all your friends and family to help spread the word of Capture Caledonia and to keep up with the latest news. If you would like to support the podcast to help with future episodes, you can now donate on my Buy Me A Coffee page, which is www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash Capture Cali. Any amount, no matter how small, really goes a long way. Thank you so much for your continued support and for listening to this week's episode. You're listening to the tracks that take us back on Capture Caledonia with Ewan Petrie. This week, I'm thrilled to welcome Alistair Fraser to the tracks that take us back. Alistair is one of the greatest and most respected players of the Scottish fiddle on both sides of the Atlantic. Born in Clachmannan in May 1955, Alistair's love affair with Scottish music tradition started at a young age and continued to develop through his teenage years. Twice winner of the Scottish National Fiddle Championships, Alistair's natural aptitude for the fiddle, along with an undeterred passion and perseverance, allowed him to continue developing and mastering one of Scotland's most treasured musical instruments. Having initially pursued a career in science, which led to a job with British Petroleum in California in the early 1980s, Alistair made the decision to take a different path and to concentrate on music, a decision that has led to a stellar career with numerous highlights over many decades. Alongside his studio albums and live performances, Alistair has appeared on the soundtrack to the films Titanic and The Last of the Mohicans, as well as inspiring the next generation of musical talent through programs like the Valley of the Moon Fiddle Camp and the Sierra Fiddle Camp. On a personal level, I am so excited to have Alistair on the show because he is a dear friend of my dad and watching Alistair perform at the Woodend Barn in my hometown of Bankery is one of my earliest memories of being exposed to the wonderful world of Scottish traditional music. Alistair, it is such a pleasure to welcome you to Capture Caledonia. Thank you, it just makes me smile to to think of that, the wood end barn and all of that that means and to be um having a, a chance to to talk with you and it's amazing you know through the lens of time how we we, we have friends and we watch how their families grow up and then <laughs> and then we end up discussing things on podcasts it's, it's wonderful so it's a, a pleasure ewan before we delve into your choices I'd love to chat to you a wee bit about you and your career and, and I'd love initially to go right back to your childhood and ask you what are your first memories of music and also what first inspired you to to pick up a fiddle given that that decision has gone on to have a massive impact on the rest of your life yeah it's it's crazy you know um <clears throat> and and the more i think about it, it, it to some extent it was sort of on the cards but it didn't feel like that at the time um it felt quite random but of course there was an, an old fiddle under the sideboard in the house that I grew up in, in Clackmannan, which belonged to my grandfather. And uh, my, my grandfather played a wee bit of the fiddle and he played a bit of the pipes. My dad was quite a good piper. So, you know, there was music in the house and there was this old fiddle lying there. And 
my mother and father said, well, someone should use that, you know, <laughs> and I feel very lucky. And, and there are certain seminal things that happen in one's life where that were turning points. And there was one when I was about seven and a half years old, which was um, Willie Fernie, who was a wonderful violinist, decided to, to get a job teaching in Scottish schools, teaching violin, which was kind of a, an unusual thing at that time. And so there were auditions in Clackmannan Primary School to see who who would get a lucky slot to, to study violin with Willie Fernie. And because this old fiddle was in the house, uh, my parents encouraged me to, to stay late after school that day and go and get my, the ear test, as they called it. And I had to pluck one fiddle string and tune it so it was the same pitch as it's the adjacent string. And I guess I did quite well. And I, I got the job, one of the three <laughs> kids who, who got to have fiddle lessons, well, actually violin lessons, and I say that deliberately, uh, with Willie Fernie. And what a what an impact that has been in my life. I, he became a great friend, mentor, a journeyer uh, with me. And ultimately, we, you know, by the time I was 10, 11, 12 years old, we were giving concerts together in old folks' homes and, and whatnot, you know, in, in the area. Um, but he found that I was, you know, I loved classical music. I loved the um, technical challenge of the violin. I still do. It's just such a great instrument to, to have as a partner in life, to get your arms around it and to, to try to um, tame it, to express your ideas. It's, it's wonderful. Um, but he was teaching me classical uh, technique, classical music. And on the, on the kind of, not on a quiet, but kind of in an underground way, I was going home and playing old Scottish tunes and and uh, being influenced by other relatives that I've had who played the fiddle in Strasbourg real societies and whatnot. So I, I think of one time when I was in my little practice room waiting for my violin lesson and I was warming up with some some old songs like Rowentree or some great old reel and Willie Fernie came in and he would say, what's that you're playing? You know, and I said, well, it's an old Scottish tune. And, Said, oh, you you like that music, and I said, yeah. So I actually ended up kind of igniting an interest in him. I would say to go back and play his native music, and but it was kind of interesting. And there's there's a there's a kind of a a fuse that gets lit here in terms of my motivation um, because we had to keep it quiet that we were indulging in Scottish music within the school education system because it was frowned upon you know it, it was and actually he would he would be worried about his job you know if people found out that he was encouraging this young lad to play scottish music on his violin so we kind of kept it on under wraps you know and and right then it made me think why is it that i'm in scotland and i have to kind of keep it secret that i'm playing scottish music in this education system so there's there's one kind of seed that that um, kind of continues to grow within me of questioning like what why is that the case and you know that kind of gets that grows as the story goes on but but I was yeah. very lucky to have Willie Fernie and he he taught me all through my my school years and became as I say a wonderful friend yeah it's 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 interesting what you say there about having to almost keep it under wraps because you know now it's it's definitely celebrated which is a wonderful a wonderful thing and it's nice that that change has now been made to sort of harness our i guess our history and our culture i am so happy about that 
I, I mean, it's it's just a huge release to to enable people to express their heart and soul in their in their native tongue or in in, in any tongue really, in tongue that they've adopted or adapted. Um, because I'm, I'm very much a I argue in favour of um, people being able to express themselves freely. And um, I become uncomfortable if I sense that there's a, any kind of suppression of the, of the human instincts going on, especially in the education system. So yeah, let's express ourselves. Yeah. And it's wonderful. Scotland now, there's a lot of inventive, wonderful uh, questioning and journeying going on that just uh, makes me smile. It's great. Now you've got, you've got a long list of career highlights that I would I would love to ask you about lots of different ones. Um, the ones that have sort of jumped out at me because I've obviously got a passion for music, but also a big passion for film. There's a video that I watched recently that my dad did actually send me a few months ago that I I just have to ask you about because it it blew my mind a little bit. Um, it's you performing at the Kennedy Center in 1999 um, oh, wow. for Sean Connery receiving his Kennedy Center honors. <laughs> I mean, what a star-studded lineup! Uh, in that audience, what was that like to be a part of that event that that night? It was nuts. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a who's who of of artistic talent, of heroes <laughs> in the room. Everywhere you turned, you know, in the elevators and in the dining room, and you know, we had oh, I forget all the names over there, but Quincy Jones was there. You know, the the, pre, the politicians, Bill Clinton was there. It was that era. Um, but the room was absolutely full of ultimate stardom. And I have to say, you know, there I was having dinner with, with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones and I can't remember the name of the, the guy in the Sound of Music who just passed away. Oh, uh, Christopher Plummer. Yeah, Christopher Plummer. He was at the same dinner table. Wow. And uh, with, with Sean Connery. You know. <laughs> Sean Connery was the guy. Everyone wanted a piece of Sean Connery. You know, <laughs> it was very, very noticeable. He, he had, can he just walked? at another level of stardom. People wanted to just be with him and, and but it was daunting, you know, it was it was crazy. And um, to be honest, what I still berate myself for that night was for not doing something that I did often in like crazy venues and many venues where I would say um, to the entire audience, we're all gathered here. How can we come together and in some sort of sense of community and and so I do this thing where I have everyone just sing a drone you know sing a certain note and I give them the note ah <laughs> and then I play I improvise it like Lo Haber no more or a, a peabrook or, or a bagpipe piece over this great audience drone and it's hugely emotional and I've done it in some so many places where people get so into it they can't stop droning they and I was going to do that that night. I was going to have Bill Clinton and Quincy Jones and <laughs> Sean Connery forming a massive bagpipe in the Kennedy Center. <laughs> yeah, that would have made a, a wonderful addition to, to the video that I watched. Um, just before we move on to your choices that you've made, I'd like to quickly just squeeze in um, a song from your new album, um, Syzygy, which you've done with Natalie Haas. Um, do you mind giving us just a quick background to the album and then to the particular song that we're going to listen to, which is Anti-Syzygy? Well, yeah, Natalie and I have been, to our great amazement, touring for over 20 years now. This this idea that was just a what if, you know, and of course, we're always looking for a, a new a title for what it is we do. <laughs> um, 
and this word syzygy came up. It's 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 kind of a strange word, I know, to, to people who are unfamiliar with it. They, they <laughs> even they look for pronunciation lessons and all kinds of stuff. And how do you say this word? And That's exa- okay? exactly what I did this morning. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's one of those words where you, you can kind of go down the rabbit hole on it. You know, astronomy has adopted it using it to refer to planets coming into alignment but it it goes back to the to the greek and is actually referring to two entities being yoked together um for a common purpose and the beautiful thing is that that there are not only two entities being yoked together but in a manner in which each one does not lose its identity and that's exactly what natalie and i are about there's no um, subservience anywhere. There's not. There's no accompanying. It's two people conversing avidly with a strong handshake, and 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 the ideas being passed back and forth. so we care a lot about that. We always have actually since the beginning. That it's it's to have this duality, and I'm a great believer in the strength that you get from duality, from yin yang, from you know, the coming together of opposites. And here is this amazing word um, coined by uh, G. Gregory Smith in 1919 to reflect this something that he says was innately Scottish, which is this juxtaposition or uh, confrontation of two opposing ideas like you get in Jekyll and Hyde or James Hogg's The Confessions of a Justified Sinner, you know, the two looks at the same self. It's... Um, prevalent in Scottish literature and even in the Scottish condition. And of course, I love that stuff. You know, I love trying to grapple with cultural identity and puzzle out, you know, not only what who I am, but what culture that I grew up in. Why are we uh, the way we are? And so that just decided me, I have to go into, you know, into this syzygy idea and i've had great fun exploring it and um, looking for natural occurrences of anti-syzygy and i think many scots many native scots will will identify (laughs) with that you know we 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 exhibit that that behavior we're confident in certain areas but we're also expecting defeat at the same time yeah and and it's kind of it's uh it's it it is, as I've been saying, you know, it's worthy of a good conversation over a dram.
I think it's a good time to move on to your first choice for the tracks that take us back. So do you mind explaining to us the first place that you've chosen to talk about today and why you've chosen this particular place? Yes, well, um, in your introduction, you mentioned that I, I had uh, worked for British Petroleum and this this is very important to me. I, I, I loved it, actually. And I got a degree in physics at Edinburgh University while playing the violin, the fiddle. I was in the university orchestra. I was asking questions in Edinburgh while I was a student. I was going to used books, shops, and looking for old manuscripts and of Scottish tunes. And uh, you're going to hear me use the word questioning a lot because that's what I do. And you know that's partly why I got a degree in physics because it encourages questioning. How do things work? How does that happen? And so musically, it's the same, and culturally. But um, at that time, I, I wasn't sure about the, where music should fit in one's life. You know, is it something you you add on to your daily your career, so to speak, or is it something that is central to it? <clears throat> and while I was in that duam trying to think about that, I just followed the kind of conveyor belt. You know, so I got a degree in physics, and then I ended up getting interviewed for a job because I signed up for a job that enabled me to travel a lot. That was my only criteria. <laughs> and and so I got an interview with British Patrol. And the next thing you know, I've got a job and I'm working in London in Britannic House, loving this job, which is pretty intense on international staff being asked to travel anywhere at the drop of a hat. But also while I was in London, I was took the opportunity to study Bach at the Guildhall School of Music during lunch hours. Huh. I'd nip out from the BP office and do Bach. And then in the evenings, I was playing in a great Irish band called Dinglespike. And, and that's where I really learned to laugh. I think I, I never laughed so hard as I did in these years with these guys from Dingle. And wow, what an education that was. So BP, <laughs> international staff, going back to Scotland a lot to do telly appearances and what whatever, and then playing Irish pubs at night. And then, you know, it was just bizarre. I think I led... 14 lives all at the same time. I was going to say, did you ever sleep? <laughs> no, no, no. I, and, you know, the wind was in my hair and I was just like going, yahoo. <laughs> uh, then I got uh, posted back to Aberdeen. And by this time, I was really questioning the role of music in one's life, the arts. And I'd made all these little lists of pros and cons, you know, that people do when you're, when you're trying to make a, a decision. The advice often, the sensible advice is, well, you just go and make a list of pros and cons and the, the, the answer will pop out, you know. Well, of course it doesn't. <laughs> you just chew over it and it's not a rational thing. You know, you have... So um, I was thinking about quitting uh, BP then, but I was uh, happy to to just keep playing music in, in Scotland. And that's when I met your, your dad, Sandy, and... He also had a, a, a flame in him for, for music and some still does. Yeah. And I was glad to see that, you know, showing up in the office, in BP office, that was great. 
Um, <laughs> but I was having trouble kind of finding my place in Aberdeen. Like I lived in the city and, uh, you know, you look for, uh, I was looking for sessions. I was looking for where's the energy and it may have been there, but I just wasn't finding it. But I ultimately, I found my tribe when I fell in with some friends who were based in Inverurie. So there's me with a, with a, a house in Aberdeen at that time. But I ended up going to Inverurie and then I ended up going up to Strathdon a lot. And that just, that was such a great couple of years because I loved the, the gatherings that we had, the sense of humor, the people that I was around. These were my people, you know, I, we laughed and we cavorted and we had, had gatherings and I think it's all summed up by the, the fact that I, I I joined the Inverurie Canoe Club. It doesn't have any canoes. We never went canoeing ever. <laughs> it was it was just a completely ridiculous name for a bunch of friends who wanted to gather and cook for each other. And we, we'd go up to we places I can't even remember, but but um Rainy and areas like that where we'd have dinners and we'd cook and we'd um, I mean, this is perhaps very close to your home territory. I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, nights at the Lonach Gathering Hall, you know, and um, but that that land there was so beautiful. It was like a um, for me, it was un, it was an unknown treasure at that point. But I got to explore Strathdon, which I still think is one of the most beautiful areas in Scotland, and and is steeped in history and and lore and characters and for a fiddle player it's you know you look at all the place names and they're almost all tunes and and um but that was i guess i got to feel like i was being uh, myself a bit more in, in strathdon well ultimately i did I, I went there from there to the west coast to san francisco and i used to fly from san francisco to to Anchorage, Alaska, twice a week for meetings, which was absolutely bizarre. Uh -huh. And at that point, and I was actually even being asked to to bend my data, you know, to to where in my mind it was breaking politically in meetings. Can you just make that number be, you know, two point five instead of two point three? And I go, well, wait a minute, this, is, you know, and that and many other things just convinced me that I. It was time for me to move on, and and by that time I had decided that the arts actually was way more important to me than finding oil in British Petroleum. Um, but I'm glad I worked through that. I had to work through that. And it, um... did that feel like a big decision at the time? Because you know, I'm obviously I've experienced you know working in the arts for for many years, so I know how rewarding it can be. But to a lot of people, they might see that as you know you're leaving behind a stable career and a salary and all of that, the, the sort of comfort that comes with that. Did it feel like a risk at the time or did it just feel like something that you absolutely had to do? Uh, both. <clears throat> I mean, I was very aware of the risk because I had a very, uh, what would I say, sensible, reasonable upbringing. <laughs> like if you've got a nice job, why would you give it up? Like, I mean, it's, um, it was more than a nice, it was a great job and it was a secure job. and. So yes, I had to reach escape velocity. I had to do the work. And uh, there was another moment I had sitting at my desk 
and and uh, your dad would love this, but um, there I was working late at night and be my feet on the desk as usual, leaning back midnight, listening to the sounds of a mechanical plotter or something. <laughs> and and, uh, and I was thinking about tunes. Actually, I was m making tunes in my head to the rhythm of the plotter. And and, uh, and I was thinking about the role of music again. And I and then I sat bolt upright and I thought, oh my gosh, that there's no one on this planet that cannot be affected by music. And I thought, is that true? And I realized that is true. That music is is omnipresent. You know, it's it's a force in our life. It's part of being human. It's it's not something for me that I add on. It's actually um, integral to, to being alive. And that I quit the next day. That was that was the, the seminal kind of penny drop moment, you know, where I just go, "Yep, that's it. That's what I got to do." And and yeah, there was apparent risk, you know. But you've spoken very fondly um, about Strathdon and your your time up in Aberdeen yeah. um, just before you obviously made the decision uh, to quit, which I, I know you actually did in, in um, California. Um, yeah. But do you mind explaining the song that you've chosen to sort of represent all of these things? Oh, the song, I love it. I, and and I, I have picked uh, tunes for this program. It, it kind of surprised me, actually. I thought I would pick tunes for the, of played by people who influenced me. And there are many, many, many. But when I got to thinking about these areas, I thought about how, how did I meet these areas musically, you know? And this melody is just glorious. Um, and it's it's called the Old Brigadon, so it's referring to the River uh, Don, and and the Old Brigadon is actually uh, the Old Brigadon, which is in in Aberdeen, which is a classic old, beautiful piece of architecture, that old bridge, and it just seemed like a kind of an icon to me to bring together these Aberdeen days, uh, that time of questioning the celebratory crazy times that I had in Strathdon, the views, the, the vistas, the late evenings, the wild dancing. Um, but it brings together just that whole valley, which I think is one of Scotland's great uh, treasures. <laughs> Thank you. 
as we listen to that song, and I know my dad will listen to this, he was telling me he has a very um, vivid memory of of being on a street somewhere in, I'm, maybe it was in Vruri or, or somewhere like that, and you were playing your fiddle. I think it was a New Year's party and, and everyone was on the street um, dancing. Maybe he's um, glorified that memory in his head, but he says it's, it's something very, very close to him um, that he remembers fondly about you uh, and, and how you would sort of bring your music to help bring people together. And I know he wanted me to, to say that to you. Well, that is important to me because I, I see the force of... That's one of the roles of music is to, to bring people together in harmonious celebration of being alive. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Let's move on to the second place that you've chosen. So would you like to reveal um, where you've chosen to talk about next today? Yeah, well, as, as you can imagine, it's, it's difficult to, to zoom in on certain places. But when I, when I went deep and kind of thought about it, I, I ended up going back to kind of the place where my family is, is from. You know, I grew up in Clackmannan. And I was very happy there. I loved it. I was very lucky to be part of the Clackmannanshire education system, which helped me a lot, I think. And um, But part of my heart uh, has always been up in uh, the Inverness area, which is where my, my dad's family is from. And we would go there often. And so, I, I like everything else in my life, it was a duality. There I was going to school in Clackmannan, but working on the croft in the summers up in Kiltarlity in Kilburnie, uh, uh, just off the Bewley River. And that is hugely important to me to to have identified that and to, to have all these relatives up there. And, and, um, and it took me closer to the Gaelic. Um, my grandfather was a Gaelic speaker and, and he was one of that generation who unfortunately was discouraged from speaking Gaelic. You know, he, he was, you know, here I go again, but it was, it was thought to be, or it was uh, deemed to be a language of, of poverty. It, it won't get you anywhere. You know, you, how can you express yourself in Gaelic in, a, in the modern world? And that I always just really bothered me, you know? And, and so my dad was, he, my dad didn't, he got more Gaelic from his father, but by the time it got to me, it was kind of, it was um, almost gone, but but not really, because we would still go to Cayley's and we'd go to the Maud and we'd go to, um, and I would sit around fiddlers who played in Gaelic, like Angus Grant and Farker McCrae, and these, these guys would influence my bow arm. So now, uh, speaking as a fiddle player, I've now left Strathdon in the Northeast, which is a whole Doric, almost Scandinavian influence way of looking at things. I'm now in the central highlands and I'm beginning, I'm thinking in Gaelic, like the people that we used to, people used to sing at Cayley's and uh, their inflections and the longer vowel sounds and all those kinds of things. But just, you know, being there and the, the fact that it's Fraser country that, you know, my, my name Fraser is, uh, is everywhere there. And there's a wee story about that, I have to tell you. I, I was touring with my band Skydance, who were all American guys, strutting six of us on stage, you know, and, and great time in my life having a six-piece band touring around the world. And <laughs> But we went back to do some gigs in Scotland and I got lost. I was up 
near Inverness somewhere, and I was totally in touring mode. I wasn't thinking about this is my the seat of my family name. <laughs> I was driving a minibus and being lost, <laughs> and and I stopped in Bewley to ask the whereabouts of of some farm that we had to meet someone at, and and I went into the bar, the uh, Bewley Arms, I think, and I walked in there and I, I said to the, the barman, and I'm looking for this 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 farm. Can you help me? We've got five guys out in the van. We're probably running late, you know. And and the barman said, "Well, ugh, I can't really help you, but if you go go and ask the old boy in in the back room, you know." So I kind of hastily went into this, opened this door, and I love this moment. Here I am in Bewley, and here there's this old old man sitting there in a big old leather armchair with a pipe you know and it the juxtaposition of that image and my traveling road warrior world <laughs> just crashed you know and i went and you can sense you know that you imagine the 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 feeling of that room that he was he'd been sitting in that chair for 85 years you know and and there he was and I said, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry to barge in on you, but I'm, I'm looking for this certain place, you know, and, and he he takes his time, of course, in answering, he just looks at me. And then he leans forward with his pipe in his hand and he says, what's your name? And I say, Fraser, Alistair Fraser. He says, aye, aye. Rob Brewer, and he points the tail of his pipe at me and he goes, Rob Brewer. And he names my great grandfather, you know, and I, I was just bolted to the floor. I was yeah. shocked. I mean, it's like, I go, Rob Rue, that, that was my great grandfather. Yeah, he's from, from Colburnie. And I used to play with your, your grandfather as a boy, you know, and, and man, it just, it was such a moment that he just rooted me. He, he, he brought me right there and gave me all kinds of things to think about. When I went back out to that tour bus, I was changed. You know, I was, wow. He just looked at my face and, and recognized my great grandfather. And that's amazing. So, um, that, you know, not everyone can have that feeling of rootedness, I think. And, and if you don't have it, it I think you can get through life fine you know let's have a uh, listen to the song that you've chosen for this do you mind um do you mind letting yeah, us know what you've chosen this is, it's kind of strange because i've i've chosen another uh, an air and you know i just follow my heart on this it's uh, because of what it what it stands for it's it's called the weeping birches of kilmorick and kilmorick is a it's near the croft that my my family have grown up in for centuries so and, and nurtured, you know, and, um, but there was a story about a, uh, you know, a tractor, this would be in the, the early 1900s, I think, a tractor that was, um, that went off the road up at Kilmorick and, and actually fell down the gorge and unfortunately killed two, two people. And um, Scott Skinner, uh, who was from Bankery, yeah. Um, but you know, roamed around the Highlands. It was much celebrated, and and, and what a guy, what a high energy person he he was. Um, but he also shows his heart here, where he he hears a story about the tractor and the two 
to uh, casualties. And he noticed that the birch trees around that area died. They, they didn't leaf again the next season. And he, he thought that must be because they're, they're in mourning or they've, they've been affected by this tragic accident. So he wrote this beautiful piece called The Weeping Birches of Kilmorock. Now that brings us to your final choice for today's show. So where, well, what, what destination have you left for our last, <laughs> last journey? We're heading west and man, I have to say, when people see me now, when I come back or I'm traveling around Scotland, people often think that I'm from Skye, 
because <laughs> I spent so much time there. And on the Isle of Skye, at the south, the Sleep Peninsula, at the, the bottom is called the Garden of Skye. You know, the, the, there's beautiful flora there. And it's a gorgeous area. If you catch it on a good day, it's magnificent, you know. And I uh, started, I think it was 36 years ago, I started a, a fiddle school there. I basically, I wanted to circle the wagons, so to speak, and, and invite kindred spirits to come and spend a week. Uh, I was teaching tunes and going mad and having daft Kayleys in strange places and fanning the flames of inquiry, but at the same time, trying to pierce a hole in what I call the Presbyterian blanket that kind of sat over the country at that time where people were scared scared to try things scared to do things and you know are you sure that'll be okay you know and 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 often that had led to us not playing our own music there were tunes from moidart noidart and the west coast that were not being played um and i wanted to ask why you know what what's going on i did a lot of soul searching there i i went for many many long hikes just vibrating with the energy of of testing ideas and it was where i took it to the next level i think of uh, thinking about language and the importance of um, the arts and and also the idea came to me during my time on sky of uh, how a lot of what I was questing was is universal in nature. It's not just about me trying to be, to find out what it means to be Scottish or to be, to speak in Doric or Gaelic or Highlands or Baroque violin or what it, this transfers all over the planet, you know, so if it's a universal thing. And I think that um, it's kind of where I sit now, you know, and, and I'm reminded always of a quote by uh, John Muir, who's one of my heroes and the naturalist and who, who was very seminal in uh, Yosemite Valley in California. And it's such a beautiful place, uh, a grand landscape. But you, if you just look at all of it, you can't really um, digest it all. But he found it by zooming in on the small thing, the, the flower growing out of a rock, or you could, by zooming in, you begin to touch the universal and and that is kind of um, the point I reached during these these courses on sky which still goes on uh, post pandemic I hope um, but it's been a place of of gathering and questioning again <laughs> and and celebrating you know and and I'm, and I'm as I said as we said at the beginning of our chat, Scotland's a different place now. And I've, I have been lucky enough to witness in those 30, almost 40 years now, the, 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 the actual um, piercing of the hole in that Presbyterian blanket, the <laughs> people confronting fear again and saying, hey, I like my own, I'm gonna express myself in, in my own tongue, but also, I think a growing awareness, I hope, of what it is to be multilingual, 
you know, and multi-dialect. Because we, in the days we live in, that kind of purism is, is not really available, you know, you, but if you do the homework, you can, you can be f fluent and you can pay your respects to many languages. And, and um, that's what I do as a, as a musician, I think. I try to, I learn Swedish as a second language on my fiddle and I, <laughs> but I, um, I'm interested in that and just being a more open, more, more vibrating human being and receptive to other influences and, and um, sharing the beautiful wee thing, the wee touches that make each um, area be special. Just before we listen to your final choice of song, actually, um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and giving me your time today. It's been a real joy to to hear about your journey through Scotland, through these places, and um, to hear these lovely stories as well. And to have a personal touch for me just makes it all the more special. So thank you. Oh, it's absolutely mutual, Ewan. And uh, thanks for inviting me. It's, it's an honour and I appreciate you reaching out. Um, yeah, I hope we can meet up sometime and reminisce. <laughs> ah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I would love that. I would love that. So do you mind um, introducing the final song and we'll listen to it? Yeah, the way I found the music on this track is I was actually on Sky at, at the Gallic College and I had a friend of mine who was staying at the Clandonald Centre down the road, which again is a beautiful place, um, beautiful gardens there and an old castle that wasn't very well kept at that time. And there was a turret in this castle that um, had a bit of a, a museum and a, an old library and she'd gotten permission to go in there and she found this dusty old manuscript in there she brought it to me and showed me and i'd never seen this manuscript before and it it, it turned out it was the the patrick mcdonald collection of of tunes from the western isles and it just uh, changed so much for me the, the tunes had been written down in a way that was not boxed in you know many of the editors at that time in the 18th and 19th century had had kind of adjusted the music so it fit fitted into where the bar like where they thought the bar line should go and they did put keys in where they thought the key should be and but this manuscript has more wildness in it, it they just wrote it down the way they heard it and left it that way and um and there were great tunes that i'd never heard such as i had never heard and and they didn't even have names for a lot of them so they'd give them uh sort of a, a names like sky dance number one sky dance number two harris dance number three <clears throat> and i i took this manuscript to heart i took it home and <clears throat> jammed on these tunes and kind of brought them to life in a way that i i wanted to and so this this medley we're about to hear is all, I think it's all mostly tunes from that manuscript. And it Harris Dance, Sky Dance. And I'm actually playing, this is, I love the juxtaposition of worlds here, but the drummer on this track is most famous for having been the drummer in California, who, who was the drummer in the Surfaris, who had a huge hit on a single called Wipeout, which was the, was the, the signature tune for surfers everywhere <laughs> and uh you know the producer in the studio shouted wipe out and the, this it was a huge hit um anyway so here he is playing drums on these old tunes from 
that I got from that old library in, in Skye, but it kind of it embraces the Western Isles and, uh, and me having fun with it.
You're listening to the tracks that take us back on Capture Caledonia with Ewan Petrie. Thank you so much for listening to Capture Caledonia, the tracks that take us back. If you're enjoying the podcast, please remember to subscribe and to leave us a rating and a review. Please also go on social media and like and share the pages with all your friends and family. A little reminder that on Facebook and Instagram, just search Capture Caledonia and on Twitter, search Capture Cali. Go on, like, share, post, comment about it and help spread the word of Capture Caledonia. If you want to support the podcast, remember you can go on to my Buy Me A Coffee page, www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash Capture Cali. Any amount that you can afford to donate to support the podcast will really go a long way and help to ensure that we can keep the podcast going in the future. Thank you so much for your continued support and I look forward to seeing you next week.